Hi, this is Millie, and this is the Escaping Narcissistic Parents Podcast, where you will find the validation and love you've been looking for. Welcome to my new listeners, and thanks to my loyal friends. Please follow me on Instagram at Escaping Narcissistic Mothers. You can also donate to my podcast at www.patreon.com slash narcissistic parents. And I will put all of this in the show notes. Okay, guys, if you're anything like me, today is Monday, May 10th, and I have the holiday hangover. And I don't mean a literal hangover. I did not drink. I don't drink because of my autoimmune disorder. But what I mean by the holiday hangover is you feel like you are drunk. <laughs> you feel like you 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 just you drank so much yesterday and today you're sick. As a matter of fact, my stomach issues are flared up. I'm I'm sitting here with a Powerade. Um, and a lot of times when I record a podcast, it helps me to process the feelings and I do end up feeling better. So I figured I would try. Um, but I know a lot of you are feeling, are probably in the same state I am in, even if nothing happened because technically nothing happened yesterday. Nothing. I even stayed away from Facebook and my personal Instagram page. So I didn't even have that, you know, constant gushing of, of mothers, of daughters about their mothers. Right? I didn't even see that. And I'm, and I'm proud of myself for having done that. I think it's the first year that I've been no contact and I've been able to really do it and, and not, you know, what... What I did instead was on Friday, I wished my friends a happy Mother's Day and told them I'm not going to be on for a few days. And that was it. So I covered my basis. I didn't ignore anybody. And yesterday I sent texts out to those people who I love and I wanted to say happy Mother's Day to. Other than that, it's it stayed, you know... I didn't have any really Mother's Day, you know, sentiments coming through from other people. Um, I hope that you're doing well today. I really do. I hope that you're feeling fine, that you're not like me. I'm feeling awful. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm going to take a sip of the Powerade. Make sure I'm hydrated. Um, okay, so what I want to talk about today is trauma bonding again. And the reason is, is that I understand that I tell you guys constantly, uh, you know, almost every podcast I say to you, Hey, the best way to, to protect yourself is go no contact. But maybe I don't focus on why going no contact is so difficult, right? And you're probably like, well, that's easier said than done. Absolutely easier said than done, right? Almost everything in life is easier said than done. Um, 
But the reason that it's so difficult to remove yourself from a toxic situation that serves you no purpose, that is constantly putting you down, reinforcing um, mistaken beliefs about yourself in your own mind, right? Reinforcing that you're not good enough or that you're not capable or that you're not independent enough or you can't take care of yourself without the narcissistic parent. The reason it's so difficult is because of the trauma bonding. And the trauma bonding happens whether it's a parent or if it's a romantic relationship or anybody else, right? So what is trauma bonding? If you belong to more than one narcissistic page, you've probably seen the um, illustrations about it, right? Where you have the honeymoon period and then you they start to abuse you and then they start to really abuse you and then if they get any inkling that you're separating yourself because you're just fed up, they start the love bombing stage again, right? That's that that cycle of love bombing and then less love bombing and then abuse and then the abuse gets worse and worse and worse and then love bombing again is what the trauma bonding is, okay? Now, trauma bonding you, you probably think, well, I don't understand how that bonds me to this to to the person who is abusing me. Well, I'm going to tell you what 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 it is that makes it so difficult is that you get almost addicted to the serotonin and oxytocin that you get from these are the feel good chemicals in your brain, right? When you take an antidepressant, most of them are to increase the serotonin in your brain, right? These are the happy, feel-good chemicals, and you get it whenever they do the love bombing stage, right? Especially if they're telling you how much they miss you, how important you are, whatever it is that they're saying, even though it's all a lie, it's all a ploy to get you back so that they can continue to abuse you, which is what they really want. That's how they get their narcissistic supply. They're willing to give up a little bit, right, by to love bomb you, to keep you. So that they can spend most of their time in the abuse phase. Okay? That is trauma bonding. Okay? You get addicted to the feel-good chemicals. I know that sounds simplistic, but it's the truth. It's what happens. You get addicted to that. And of course, there's other things. It's not just trauma bonding. But it's also what I said before, the things I mentioned before, the fact that they make you feel like you need them so much that you can't survive without them. Because they know you better than you know yourself. Because... Um, They're doing, they they treat you the way they treat you because it's what's best for you, right? Um, I, I'm going to give you an example of something and it's not even parent related, but I, I love this movie. 
I don't know if many of you have seen the movie Something Borrowed. Um, it's, it's not a, a super popular movie. It's like 10 years old now, I think. Or whatever, maybe, maybe less than 10 years old. But um, Kate Hudson's in it and Jennifer Goodwin. And it's about um, Kate Hudson's engaged to get married to this guy. But Jennifer Goodwin had met him first. They went to college together. They went to law school, and she fell in love with him. And it's all about that, but that's not it. Uh, Jennifer Goodwin's character has a friend, and he tells her, you know, I can't believe you're still doing this. And what he meant by that is, I can't believe you're still allowing this guy to play both of you, in fact, right? It's what he was doing, because he was kind of sleeping with her, but still engaged to be married to the other one, right? And her response is, this is not me saying that my dad, being pathetic and saying that my dad hits me because he loves me. And that is such a telling statement, right? That our parents, that that is something that literally happened to a lot of you. And I know it did because my mom said that to me when she would spank me, right? She would say, I, I, I hit you because I love you and it hurts me more than it hurts you. And that is a load of crap because no, it doesn't hurt you more than it hurts me because it hurt. You're hurting me with your hand or with your shoe or with whatever. You're hurting me. You're not hurting yourself. So there's so many things that is mistaken. And my point to that is, is that we grew up thinking that being hurt was the way they showed love. So then it's very hard for us to separate that those, those two things. That love does not mean hurting someone, right? So not only are we now in, stuck in this relationship with our parents who hurt us on purpose... We continue the cycle with our romantic partners. And I know that came up recently on my Instagram page. Why, why, and I've gotten this so many times. Why is it that I keep meeting men? It's, it's usually because most of your girls, I know I have some men and I love you guys. And I hope there's more of you men that listen to this because it's not just women. And it's not fair that men are too afraid to maybe express that their mothers or fathers were abusive towards them. Okay, we have to have compassion for every single one of us. So, you know, thanks for you guys, men, that are listening. Um, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, but I know I was talking about just the mistaken beliefs of the things that were done to us in the name of the, of love, and this is this is how I show my love for you, and it's not. And then, oh, we end up looking for a romantic partner, woman or man, it doesn't matter what your sexual orientation is, you end up looking for a person, and you attract the same type of person that your parent was. And the reason for that is you're empathic. Your heart is open. And narcissists, that's what they look for. Okay? They look for someone that they can 
go in who has an open heart and they can easily manipulate that doesn't make you dumb or weak at all 100% and let me tell you I was one of those people who used to think that way who used to think oh those women that are in abusive relationships are weak well surprise surprise I was in a, in in an abusive relationship didn't really realize it I still have trouble really recognizing that that was what was happening I still have trouble. I just, there are things that once in a while someone says about an abusive relationship and I go, oh yeah, yeah, he was abusive. Even though he didn't mark all nine traits, he definitely was, had narcissistic traits, you know. Anyhow, um, I was one of those people, but I know now that that being in an abusive or in a narcissistic relationship with a romantic partner does not make you weak, does not make you dumb. It doesn't make you anything. And going from one to another to another doesn't make you that either. The cure to it is something that most people don't want to hear is stepping away from relationships. Okay. And learning about narcissistic men or women. Right? Learning about the romantic kind. It's a little different. It's different than the parents. Okay, It's a different dynamic. It has to be different. And recognizing those red flags. I can give you a few. A romantic partner that wants to a commitment very quickly. Like a very serious commitment. Like let's live together within a month or two. Let's get married within a month or two. That Those are red flags right there. Right there. Because that's... They want to grab you. Someone who just seems too good to be true. If you get that feeling that you meet somebody and you're like, they're just too good to be true. They are too good to be true. Because a normal person is going to behave like a normal person. A normal person's not trying to manipulate you and they're going to just behave. And it doesn't mean that you don't have a good connection with them. But they're not going to sound like they're the perfect fit for you immediately. That's the thing. They're going to be, they're a different person than you are. They're not going to have the same exact um, interests in life. You're not going to be the same person. And a narcissist tends to listen to what you say and then spit it back to you in a different way. So it sounds like it's coming from them, but it's not. Okay? Those are red flags right there. And they they say that you can recognize a bad guy or a bad woman within less than a minute of a conversation. If you listen close enough, you can pick it up, especially if you're empathic. And we're all empathic. If you're empathic, you don't have to listen to anything they say. You can feel it when you meet the person. If, if you look at them and you go, something's not right in those eyes. Listen, turn your back, and run the other way. Okay. I got into a different topic. Although, you know, I, I do want to put a little bit more time into that narcissistic relationship. Um, because... All of us here have experienced the parent and the, the romantic relationship. They go hand in hand. 
Because the parent sets you up for attracting these people. As well as attracting, like interviewing with someone that you get that feeling from them that you really don't like that person. But you still end up taking the job. And they end up being a narcissist. There was a very... A person who I'll just say maybe doesn't understand what narcissism is. And and they commented on Instagram. Maybe some of you saw it. um, Saying that... Because I had posted how... About narcissistic bosses. You just... You just want to say that every everyone you don't like is a narcissist and that's that's again that's an uneducated person in narcissism they don't know what narcissism is and even if i tried to explain it and and i know this while i was typing i'm going this is a waste of my time because a person who just doesn't get it and their belief is you know narcissism is is rare and it doesn't really exist and Oh, you just weren't loved, so everyone's a narcissist in your eyes. No, honey. Most of us, the thing is, we opened our eyes and we started to see what who narcissists were. Believe you me, my boss, my the principal at the school I worked at was a narcissist for sure, 100%. She, I think she checks off all nine traits. Um, so... So going back to why is it so hard to go no contact? Number one, you're addicted to the tra- to the to the cycle of trauma, but love bombing and discarding and, and abuse and love bombing. You get addicted to that cycle. Number two, it's just not socially accepted to not talk to your mother, <laughs> right? Even fathers, with fathers, it's more accepted. It's okay to say, I'm not going to talk to my father. It's all over movies. It's everywhere, right? With a father, it's totally acceptable. But with a mother, it's not, right? There's this thing about mothers that they can't be abusive. Yes, they can, okay? You guys have to remember the woman uh, in the, I guess it was the 90s, early 2000s, that drowned her three kids. Okay, that she was a mother. There you go. That's an example of an extreme case of, of and yes, she was mentally ill, but that that it she was a mother. She drowned her three kids. <laughs> if you any of you listening are mothers, you can't imagine hurting your child, much less drowning them, killing them. So um so why is it so hard to go contact no contact? Plus, besides what I just mentioned, the trauma bonding, the fact that they make you feel like you need them, right? That you can't survive without them. It's also the fact that you just, they've guilted you into everything you do and you have done for them. They use guilt as a weapon. And that guilt is the biggest thing that keeps you there. The guilt. Right? That is it. It's using it. How how could you how could you not speak to me? You're breaking my heart. I'm depressed because of this, right? First of all, you can't make someone depressed. You can't make someone unhappy. Right? They 
that's not your that's not your responsibility and it's not your responsibility to fix them either right even your spouse you can support someone but you can't fix them and you can't change them so guilt is the number one thing and the other thing is that you realize that it's not an easy thing and even if you don't at first think going no contact is going to it's so complicated there's so many layers to it it's not just i'm going to stop talking to my mom and everything else is going to stay the same because it doesn't it does affect every family member most likely losing contact with your father as well if they're still together right with your siblings because you're going to have those you know if you have more than one sibling most likely you're going to have issues there. You might have one that kind of sides with you, but one that does not. And you're going to have issues with that sibling. And you're going to have to go no contact with that sibling eventually. With all of the family on that side. Because the narcissist plays the victim really well. And you have just created the perfect scenario for them to victimize themselves, right? You're not talking to them. So now they have a reason to tell everyone who will listen. My daughter doesn't talk to me. Now I don't understand because I did everything in my life was for her. And I everything I did was for him. If it's a guy. You know, I did everything I could. I, I, you know I gave up my life for them. Because, you know, to the outside world there's someone completely different. So they have this perfect excuse to be the victim so they're going to get their narcissistic supply from friends and the family but the important thing about going no contact remember it's not about them it's about you it's not a punishment you're not doing it to say okay well you abused me you make me feel like crap every time i see you so i'm not going to talk to you anymore no you don't talk to them anymore because you don't want to have to listen to the abuse, listen to the put downs and keep staying in that trauma bond. You want to break the bond, go no contact, distance yourself. The minute you do and you start to see everything that they have done since you were a child, okay, everything they have done to sabotage you, to make you feel like you're not worthy, like you're not good enough or smart enough to, to, to do anything, you won't go back. Because once you really open your eyes, really open your eyes, going back is unimaginable. And if you guys saw the movie I referenced before, Something Borrowed, that's a big word in that movie, unimaginable. I know some of you may be smiling if you saw it, right? All right, I'm going to stop there. And I hope this was informative um, considering what day it is. Um, remember to care for yourself and love yourself today and every day. But today, it's rough, right? The next few days are going to be probably rough. It's going to get better, but... You know, it's rough if you had to 
be with mom or, you know, you're still in that position when you're sending her a card and you're looking at that card and you're like, I don't mean any of this, but I have to send it. I know it's rough today. But hopefully a lot of you were able to focus on if you're a mom yourself and if you're a man, the things that you did to mother yourself to be that parent for yourself while you were growing up. All right, I'm going to end there. I love you guys. Take care of yourselves. And until next time.